Good morning. It's a big honor to sit down here. I'm a, just a simple uh, layman practitioner of a Washington temple, and I've never expected to sit down on this honorable position. <laughs> I'll just give you some uh, brief uh, story how it happened this way. Uh, about several years ago, I went to Chicago uh, for the, some kind of a Dharma uh, name uh, award one of our members in Chicago. And I met the members of North Carolina Temple uh, and then one Unhewanim. I think she's here somewhere. Uh, and uh, we just had uh, some little chatting, little talk. And somehow I just told her, oh, I, when I was a little young kid, I met the founding master, Sote-san. And she was uh, awestruck, really? <laughs> You mean, he was a long time ago, and are you still, oh, it's unbelievable, she said, but I was only four years old. But anyway, she said, why don't you come to North Carolina Temple, give a talk, that'll be inspire the uh, members. Well, that's not a bad idea, but I don't know, I can, uh, but I'll try. But since then, the Gyomunim, Jaktaunim, keep calling me. You promised to come down. It gone on for about two to three years, and finally, I couldn't stand her. So I just gave in. February 23, I went down to North Carolina and met the members, and I had a first-class honorable treat by the members. And then, uh, I, and then somehow that news flew to the Dharma Center. And Gyomunim, uh, Yudomunim, well, we never thought he met this Master Sote-san. <laughs> so we have uh, some spring training here sometime in uh, early March. And why don't you uh, do the same thing here? Well, this just really blown up. <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, if that my little story, even though I was a real young kid, if it gave us some uh, perspective to you, uh, how the One Buddhism started, some sort of history of One Buddhism. And by my experience, and reading the history book, combined together, get some three-dimensional idea about the history of One Buddhism, and I think that will be very grateful. Okay, I don't have much time, so just let's go to the uh, subject. And uh, that's true. I met the Master Sotesan, and I had a vivid memory. I met him when I was four years old, 1943. And so, you know how old I am now, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I met the uh, second Prime Master, Jong-san, and I met the uh, third Prime Master, Desan. So I had a great privilege to meet all our great masters. And uh, and then to give a story how I met Master Sote, uh, founding Master Sote-san, I have to tell you about my mother's story, because without my mother, I couldn't meet my uh, master, uh, founding Master Sote-san. So uh, let's make a brief history about, uh, let's give us some story about 1916. Our great uh, founding Master enlightened, as you know, all the history of One Buddhism. And then when he 
early morning, dawning star, he got the, all the answers he was questioning himself for 20 years of all the absorption, prayer, looking for teachers, that last 20 years. And finally, 1916, April 28, 1916, he was enlightened. And all the answers, he got it. The Korea, 1916, was a very, very difficult time. Korea was under the rule of Japan. Korea was colonized by the Japan in 1910. So the Korean name, name was just erased from the map of the world. So uh, by in that time, the world was in turmoil. The material civilization was rapidly, rapidly developing. Electricity, telephone, and then the Einstein, by the way, Einstein, he was born in 1879, 12 years before our, master, our founding master, Sotesan, was born. Sotesan was born 1891, and Einstein was born 1879, exactly 12 years before. And our master, Sotesan, passed away 1943 at the age of 53, very short life. Einstein passed away 1955, exactly 12 years after. <laughs> so, the Einstein lived 24 years more, 12 years earlier and 12 years after. They go tandem, go together. Great scientist, great religion, our spiritual leader, they live the same time. It's not a coincidence. But anyway, when the Sotesan was awakened, he knew the material civilization is on the horizon. This world, this universe cycle, in and yang, like a spring, summer, autumn, winter. That rule of circulation also applies in the universe. Just turning, 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 turning. And the Sotesan found out this is the beginning of a young stage. New era is just on the horizon. And so he, he made a terminology opening. The Korean call it Gebyeok. The Gebyeok means opening of the heaven, opening of the earth. Everything is opening. It's not confined anymore. This is a really wild. The peoples are more Awaken, the dark stage is over. So, but the material civilization goes up faster than the spiritual. So he worried about it. If it lived like this, eventually human being, humanity will be enslaved by the material. We got to the start of some new order, new teaching to this rapidly developing world. So he he picked up the, all the scriptures of the different religion, and he surveyed it, and then he found out Sokamuni, 2,500 years ago, he was enlightened and gave the old system and teaching, and then he read the Diamond Sutra, and ah, 
He already, all our sages and saints found out the truth. They all made the religion based on their location and also based on their intelligence. So it's the, all the religion is in a different part of the world. Like Confucius was in China, but the now it's all it comes from the same truth. He found out the same truth. That's why he called it Irwan San, the truth, symbol of the truth. The truth doesn't have a name, but we got to make a name. Like, for example, I didn't have any name when I was born, but my parents gave me the name. So that's why when they call, you know me. So we have to make a name. That's why Iron Sang is the name, artificial actually, name for the truth. So by the studying truth, you find the real truth, Irwan. So that's why, uh, so let's see, just explanation how the one Buddhism started. And my mother, so because I have to now tell me how I met him, so I have to go to the, my mother again. He was, he was, he was a 25, 26 years old, and he was enlightened. And then, of course, you know all the embankment, all the selling the uh, charcoal and so forth, and established the, um, the foundation of one Buddhism. And then 1920, 1919, he finished the embankment project, and he made a, a great that the Dharma authentication, because of all his nine disciples, and then put the thumb to the white, uh, the plain paper, and the blood cell came out, and he, he knew that Dharma realm authenticated. Now, you are the one can uh, make a, a religion and can save the world. So finally, he, he told the old uh, disciple, now this is the time to begin. So went to the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, rec recruit and uh, refugee area, and then he started to make a doctrine of one Buddhism. That started in 1920, and it lasted five years, until 1925. For five years, he made all this our doctrines, scriptures, and everything. And then 25, 1925, finally, so he come out to the world, and he find a place named Iksan, which is a southern part of Korea, and he, he, the one Buddhism was a began in 1930, 1931. And then my, 1933, about three years after the Sotesan moved in, my mother was born. <laughs> <laughs> he was, she was born in a pretty wealthy family in that area, uh, and uh, it was a very young age. And my father was uh, studying the middle school in Seoul, which is the uh, uh, capital of Korea. And uh, she, uh, after getting married, she came to Ko's family. My, my last name is Ko. And family, and then my, the Ko family was not really that wealthy. She had to do a manual work, and she has to serve the, uh, the, the father and mother-in-law, and a lot of household work. And it was very unusual, very unaccustomed to my mom. So her health was deteriorating. Her, her husband is on, in the Seoul, far away, 250 miles away. And then uh, she was very alone. So her health deteriorated. So the, my, uh, my grandparents sent her back to 
her own family. No, you go back and, and recuperate and you come back. So she arrived in her home and then that area, my grandmother of my mother's side. And she was attending the, just the temple, of Buddhism temple of a traditional Buddhism, not one Buddhism. So she was a very devout the Buddhist uh, religionist. And then, I don't know if you have, any one of you heard of or not, there's a very famous lady named by Sashwa. She um, the, recruited a new member, more than 300. She was the, uh, I mean, the, uh, the largest, and nobody uh, break that record, not even close. But anyway, that lady frequented to my grandmother's house. And then she tried to convert my grandmother to the one Buddhism because Sashwa was already the uh, disciple of Sotasan. And she recognized this lady, my grandmother, if you come to the one Buddhism, it will be a great help, will be a great asset. So keep coming, coming, coming again. My grandmother was sick. No, not, not anymore. Now I'm, I'm a devout Shakyamuni uh, disciple. And I'm not interested in a new religion, whatever it is. Then finally she arrived. I beg you, if you come to meet Sotesan just one time, and I'll, I'll promise you I'll not come back again. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, well, to get it of this lady, I got to go there one time. Okay, now you promise. If you break the nail, you'll be in big trouble. I'll go there one time and meet him. And then after that, you're not going to show up in my door, get gateway at all. And she said, okay, I agree with you. So finally, one day, she went to Sotesan in Iksan, which is quite a distance. Uh, I would say about 80, 70, 80, 60 to 80 miles by walking. And then she truly found the Buddha. Wow, this is a living Buddha. The way that she, he taught, she already was a kind of a concept about Buddhism. But her, his teaching was just exactly fit to the modern era. So she immediately became his uh, disciple. So she come back and then prepare to go for the training, like uh, this retreat. Now we had only one day retreat, but that time lasted three months. You go to Sotasan, you have to stay there with them for three months, day and night. Training, training, training. That was the name of the game of one Buddhism, all right? So then uh, the, he, she was preparing to go to the Iksan for the three months um, uh, winter uh, training. And my mother was there. She was uh, resting, recuperating. She was already gaining some health because she, she was well fed all relaxed, doesn't have to worry about the, you know, all the manual work at home. And so my mother said, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to, there's a new Buddha I found. And I'm going there for training. Mom, I'd like to go there together. You look at me, I'm just idling. I'm wasting time here. I'm reading some few books already, all finished. There's no more new books. No, you are too young. To, <laughs> too, too young. So you have to wait for a while. Well, she, at that time, she couldn't resist. I mean, the, that's our custom to accept the parents' 
the order or recommendation. But so, so she was idling, oh my God, I just have to stay home. And then a few days later, all of a sudden, in by big surprise, the lady Sashua came back. Oh, how, how in the world do you come back? Uh, I thought you already started training. Well, it was right, I was started training, but we don't have any proper attire and then, uh, the preparation. To have a three months training, you have to bring all kind of stuff, and they forgot. So I come here to pick it up. Your mom gave me a proper orders to all pick up this stuff. Wow. And then all of a sudden she looked at her. What are you doing here? You should come back and then get a training together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my mom forbid me. She said, I have to stay home. She said that my turn will come later. No, 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 don't worry about it. I'll persuade your mom. So you just, <laughs> you, you take on me. I'll take care of you. So reluctantly, she assembled the clothes and she followed. So she finally, she, you know, a day later, she arrived. Her mom looked at her, kind of made a face, but she didn't, uh, didn't scold anymore. But anyway, she bowed to the in front of the Sotesam. And all this doctrine, the equality of human humanity, everybody has a human right, and how the weak people, weak person can be a strong person. And then also, the even woman has to learn the knowledge is the prime importance on this coming new era of world. So this all this eye-opening teaching. She never uh, heard that kind of a teaching before. So she really was uh, fascinated about this new teaching, and she studied really hard. About two months passed. Okay, now I'm this young. I'm not even even 20 years old. And I'm going to get rid of my this marriage life. I'm going to be a disciple of Sotesan. So I, I'll be a, uh, the, uh, I'm going to ordain. I'm going to be a Gyomunim, like right here. Gyomunim is my dream. So finally, she made a decision, make a firm mind, and go into the Sotesan. Sir, I decided I'll give up my lyrical life, secular life. I'll be an ordained disciple of you. And I'll work as hard as I can for to serve you and spread this wonderful religion. And the master said, no, no, no. He was very not happy to hear that. <laughs> right now, we are under the rule of Japan. They are watching one Buddhism very carefully. What they're doing any kind of uh, uh, money laundering, or any kind of uh, uh, the, uh, something, you know, uh, not allowed to the law. If you find some little excuse, they like to dismantle the one Buddhism. The Japan thought the Sotasan is a kind of Gandhi of India. It, it, this could be a big factor, kind of make a big trouble for the independence movement. So they like to find some excuse to dismantle this organization. So then look at that. If I accept you as my disciple, and they'll make an excuse. Now they disrupt the family life and make a ordain the married lady. And it'll be a big scandal and we'll be in big trouble. You go back home and you'll, have your, you'll find your, your own duty. And after hearing that, she came back 
and she cried all night long. My God, what can I do? I just don't want to go back. And my, the, the, that's not my life. This is my life. So she cried about a few days later, and then gradually her time arrived to depart, come, go back to uh, the uh, uh, family. So she made a decision. And she found out there is some, like a Dharma uh, daughter. And they found out about 15 ladies already become a Dharma do- daughter of Sotesan. Well, I want to be a daughter too. So <laughs> she went in, into the, to the room again and made an appointment and then pleaded to Sotesan. Sir, I'll accept, I'll follow your order. I'll go back to my home. But under one condition, if you accept me as a Dharma daughter. <laughs> Thinking about it, well, already I finished at 15 my Dharma daughter quite a several years ago, and I decided not to do it anymore. But after hearing you, maybe I'll accept it just one last one. And then since you're going to be a, a really a sincere uh, on your uh, pledge, so I'll accept it. So they make a formal rite. Sit down and full bow and authentication, and signature, and so she became a real, true Dharma daughter, in-law. <laughs> so she was so happy now. Okay, coming back to now her married family, and she was thinking, contemplating. Now, I have a meaning. Uh, his disciple, as a 16th Dharma daughter, what is my respons- responsibility? What should I do? Okay. This is a very strict Confucius family, the co-family. They never even go to the temple. They never go to, they don't know any, any idea about the Buddhism. Okay, I'm going to transform this family to the one Buddhism. That's her idea, one thought. That one thought was born. So she came back. Her demeanor changed. She's more robust now, more healthier. And she served all relatives, the father-in-law and mother-in-law, she treat them like a Buddha. She's, early morning she wake up, prepare the food. She never went to the kitchen before because all the, you had some servant there. And then the closing and smiling, first of all, smiling all the time. Her complexion <laughs> changed. And then my, my grandparents was uh, dumbstruck. What happened to this girl? She was one of the, I mean, uh, I mean, unhappiest girl in the world when she left. And come back, she's smiling, so happy, serving everything, and then treat them like a king and queen, right? So there must be something that made this girl change. So she, then suddenly the magazines start to come. We call Webo, that was the initial, the one Buddhism literature keep arriving through the mail. So grand, my grandfather pick on it, read it before, give to the daughter-in-law. <laughs> well, this is a teaching is uh, even just better than Confucius. And she just, uh, she was, uh, wow, this kind of teaching is uh, exist in Buddhism? He was a very high uh, educated scholar. He could read all Chinese literature the, big, the great learning, the small learning, and then also the all, he was a really, but so he could understand everything what Sotesan wrote. So he gave it to her, and they found out the Sotesan was the factor 
change it to daughter-in-law. So my grandmother become a one Buddhist. And then I finally, at 20 years of age, when I'm 20 years of age, I was born. <laughs> I was born in uh, 1939. So they married in 1933. So six years later, I was born. If I was born a little bit earlier, I could meet the Sotesan a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was born in 1939. I was in Seoul. And my, that, by the time my father graduated the college, and then went to the Korean bank. And then my mom uh, finally say goodbye to my grandparents and come to Seoul and they start a new life. And that time, and I was born. And then there was a temple, one temple in Seoul. And every Sunday, she pulled me and would go to temple. So I was just forced to go to the temple. At first, Oh, what it is, you know, when young, I was already, uh, didn't want to go, you know, because I want to play with the young, youngsters, but she just, uh, without exception, uh, I go, go to the temple. And then, the, the 1943, the, all the other things, I don't have any memory at all. But 1943, when I was four years old, and one day, springtime, early spring, like about March or something like that, and mommy again, brought me with my, uh, to the temple, and that time I met Sotesan. He was sitting there on the podium. He was standing, not sitting like me, standing and giving. And he had a glass, very, wow, huge stature. And look at it, I couldn't even face him because I was sitting on the outside, and he was standing on the podium right there, so actually I could meet him, and then I couldn't face him because I couldn't have a contact. He would look so awesome. So I couldn't, uh, and then, and I, wow. And then I just put, put my hand down. <laughs> just kind of like an energy really penetrating me. So I was playing in the backyard, uh, uh, the backyard and then the sermon lasted for a while. And uh, that memory just stuck on me. Wow. So that time and thereafter, I went a few more times, then I heard he passed away. He passed away. He was passed away June 1st. He gave the last sermon May 15 or 16 at the Ixan headquarters. And he gave a last, the sermon was written on our scripture. And uh, after that, give a sermon and come home and eat the lunch and he became sick. He was fine. He was perfect until that time. 1943, Japan gave the pressure to one Buddhism. They want to make a one Buddhism to the Japanese Buddhism. Now, Chote-san, you come to, come to Japan, and you have to meet our emperor, and you have to submit yourself and change it to the one Buddhism. So actually, he forced him to dress like a Japanese. If you look at the, some of the uh, picture, photograph of Sotesan in his late 1942, 40, 41, 42, 43, he was forced to dress like a Japan monk. And uh, so he couldn't refuse. If you refuse, probably he will just do a, by, use a force to dismantle. So he made a 
the, the uh, countryside, and I have some important job to fulfill because one of the temple is in trouble. So postpone, postpone, postpone. He went to the Busan, Choryang, and then finally he couldn't find any more excuse. So all disciples said, I have to go to the travel long distance. I might not see you for a while. And all disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. Oh, is the retreat on such a busy time? Where in the world are you going to go? Nobody understood what he was talking about. He's going to go to the deep retreat somewhere. And then May 16, after his last sermon, he got sick and then he was hospitalized. During hospital stay, he only met two people. One is the Jongsan, second prime master, and then the other one was my uncle. My uncle, which is my, my mother's brother. And he was a very, very important person. We call him Sangsan, Sangsanim. And only two persons allowed to enter his sick room. After two weeks of sickness, all of a sudden, June 1st, 1943, he passed away. And just all the members of one Buddhism just couldn't understand. Even nobody even suspect even this much. He'll, he'll go away that fast. Japanese really welcomed that news. They were very happy. Okay, we don't have to worry about the one Buddhism anymore. They will be disintegrated by themselves. Just a, you wait about a couple of weeks. They will not even have a Sunday service. They were just very happy. Until that time, they sent the policemen, all kind of surveillance, but they stopped it. Then a week later, the Jongsan was inaugurated as a second prime master. Became even more stronger. And he, he did a vision and plan what to do. And uh, so, uh, there was a story, and then uh, go back um, the, my mother, my mother, she was a very, very diligent disciple. He established temple in Seoul, Daegu, and everywhere. He made, she made about several uh, the, uh, the temples, and uh, a very dedicated Sotesan disciple. My grandmother became uh, one Buddhist uh, the, uh, disciple, uh, the uh, member. She really practiced hard. She made a temple in a very small village in Korea, which is now is Changpyeong, which has now become very famous. And they have already the uh, uh, one Buddhist facility, institution over there, some like uh, aging people, like uh, in a nursing homes, so it's all established over there. And um, in Ko's family, we have uh, many, many high stage of Dharma, uh, like uh, the beyond family. We have about three, and so many Dharma beating the uh, Mara level, and many of them. So that one thought of my mother, coming back from the Iksan to the Coast family, one thought, what I'm going to do? I'm going to change the one family, and that reverated and then spread so many people become one Buddhist. And, and with that memory, by the way, 
when Sotesan passed away June 1st, my mom was just so shocked. She was in Seoul. And then without any preparation, me and my younger brother, I had one younger brother at that time, and then two of us just hold it, and then on the train, get the, get the ride on the train, and arrive to Ixan to rush to not to uh, miss the uh, funeral service. But that the, uh, was kind of delayed. By the time she arrived, already the hearse was going over there, quite, quite a distance, so she couldn't go there. So she hauled the tree beside and she cried, cried, cried. And that memory is very, very hazy to me. They're not as clear like the when I met the Sotesan at the uh, at the temple. So uh, I gave only 20 minutes. I already spent. So <laughs> so that that little story. I just done one the message I like to give you all. Just the one thought can make the change of the world. Let's practice. Let's become all Buddha together. Thank you very much. <laughs>